You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Illustrated, Matt Coulter, a former Alabama Broadcaster of the Year and longtime media personality, and Christian Miller, a national championship winning linebacker at Alabama who was drafted by the Carolina Panthers. Here's Lars, Matt, and Christian. Hey, welcome to the program. It's Big Noon Sports. That's uh, Matt Coulter speaking, along with Lars Anderson, and you got Christian Miller. Everybody okay today? Yeah, man. Doing really good. Doing really good. I, I got a question for you, Matt. Fire away. So, um, the reason I'm running a little bit late is one of my former editors at Sports Illustrated is now working for a different company. And he has uh, sort of been commissioned to write a commemorative issue on TCU. And it only will be printed, so it will be a magazine on TCU. Right. It will only be printed if TCU wins the game. Now, he wants A lot me- of investment for a team that's an underdog. He wants me to write a 2,500-word piece on the uh, national championship game, which will be due on Tuesday afternoon. Well, it's an all-nighter. Game is all, yeah, game is Monday. So here's my question. Would you start writing? You can pre-write quite a bit because he wants me to weave in some TCU history, um, Sammy Ball, Davey O'Brien. Slinging Sammy Ball. My man, Andy Dalton. Um, he wants that to be weaved throughout the piece, but I don't think TCU is going to win the game. In I fact, I think it's going to uh, be a blowout. In fact, I can write your lead, uh, or or no, I can give you the title of the article: Bennett leads Georgia to back to back. No, hey, well, let's well, alliterate. Uh, Bennett leads Bulldogs back to back. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying is, uh, if if Georgia wins, there's no story. And there's no issue, there's no magazine, there's uh, this no is nothing. Great, this is a great topic to just, you know, just kind of get <laughs> so away from I, all that. Well, let me ask you this. Get up and ask details. Um, you seemed reluctant to tell me what publication it was. It uh, it, it is it's, a, uh, it's, a it's affiliated. It's affiliated. Okay. Yeah, yes. I remember them doing this with national championship issues. Yeah. And uh, as a matter of fact. Alabama, 92 it, was the first it, one, wasn't it? As a matter of fact, that was the very first yeah, yeah. one. And it sold so well, it spawned an entire new division of Sports Illustrated called Sports Illustrated Presents. And uh, we had no idea that it was going to sell that well. I I, I think the reason we did it was because we didn't put – the game happened so late, and it was on a uh, Monday night, if I'm not mistaken, and we close on Monday and uh, it happened so late, we couldn't put Alabama on the cover. There was outrage on. Uh, <laughs> Imagine that. Yeah, there was some uh, outrage in this state, and so we quickly put together a special issue, and they had to go back and reprint it, not once, not twice, 
but three times. They ended up selling more than a million copies at uh, at, at 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 a huge. It, it was like at, at uh, it, they were like eight ninety nine each. I believe Jay was on the cover, or it may have been Derek. It may have been Derek Lassen. Maybe, uh, yeah, yeah. But anyway, that's what started. Maybe George Teague, but I'm, I'm just. Uh, that's what started uh, uh, SI doing commemoratives, and so this is in the same vein. And that that actually that's what really started everyone doing commemoratives because uh, commemorative magazines, commemorative issues, because people saw that there was an incredible amount of money to be made if you get them out really really fast and you capitalize on the passion of the fan base right away because at, at, at in in the uh in in the shadow of winning a national championship people will buy anything associated with their team especially alabama fans <laughs> yeah so so anyway, that uh, well, that, that first, is where it all started. Okay. Now, yeah, I, I I remember it, and I remember doing stories about it afterwards because it was it was absolutely huge, and I do remember the numbers because it made SI a whole lot of money. And like you said, they end up hiring a division, which I, that, that's all cool. And, and, and again, it and goes I, back and to I worked, one thing, and I worked passion, for that division for quite a while. The passion of Alabama fans is unmatched and unparalleled. I agree. Oh. I, I, and I didn't, you know, when I moved here, I thought there's no way that there's a fan base that is more passionate than Nebraska's. All right. What's the time? Uh, uh, 12.06. 12 okay. 12.05. Um, but I was wrong. Alabama. I'd like to dive into that later. Al- maybe in the Alabama's show. fan base oh. is by far and away the most passionate, uh, the most dedicated the most, and I, and this is generally speaking, the most educated that I've ever been around. Well, uh, they it, are it, to college it, football what St. Louis Cardinal fans are to baseball. It, if if you can, yes. if you can draw that. Yes. All right. A final question, and then we're going to move on to some other topics. And we got a great guest lineup. If you will share. Yeah, at uh, 12.30, we have Chris Walsh from Bama Central, and uh, we're going to talk all things Alabama with him. And then at 1.30, we have the one and the only Tim Brando of Fox Sports. Do you know how many texts and IMs I've gotten about Brando? Is he going to take his medicine about the K-State pick? <laughs> you mean, he was very adamant about it last week. He said, no, the Alabama, his quote, Alabama's in trouble. Well, they weren't. All right, one other question concerning this potential assignment. Are they taking you to the game? No, no. So nah, what I'm going to do is basically do it from my couch, and I, I, it's sort of uh, – it, it's, uh, it's not ideal, but also I, I know for a fact I'm not going to start writing this thing until the next morning. If the because I just don't think TCU is going to win, and if I have to crank out twenty five words, twenty five hundred words in uh, like seven hours, then so be it. I may not be in here on uh, Tuesday. Isn't the game on Monday? Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's been a Monday night for a long time. I, I think they should change that. Again, that's yeah. a topic. But um, let's get back to Demar Hamlin, and, and I um, <clears throat> I'm really impressed at the number of people in sports and out of sports that are continuing to follow this story. Now, we're a sports talk show. We're going to follow it. But we followed it in great detail. 
But I think what's uh, what really has opened my eyes a lot is the national media, and I'm not talking about national sports talk shows. I'm talking about on my way in, I'm listening to ABC Radio News, and it's their second story. But here's what we know. Hamlin, who was injured Monday Night Football, I think we all all know the background on this story. The uh, The word today is progress slash remarkable. Uh, his eyes are open. He has gripped the hand of a teammate. And, and here's the biggest news to date. Neurologically intact. And I think we're not alone, Lars, but that was our biggest concern. With, with nine minutes on the field, uh, starting and restarting his heart, however the situation may have played out. But for him, for the, him to be neurologically intact uh, is miracle too strong a word? No, I don't think it is. Um, because we were worried about uh, the lack of blood flow to the brain and the possibility of brain damage. And the fact that he is responding to uh, questions or commands, you know, hey, wiggle your toes, uh, squeeze my hand. That means he's understanding it. That means he has operation of his of of his brain, and that he just could not get any uh, any better news. Hey, let's go down uh, to Christian in Tuscaloosa. Christian, I uh, don't know if you had a chance to uh, catch up on uh, Demar Hamlin uh, this morning, but uh, your reaction just to this uh, remarkable news coming out of Cincinnati. Yeah, I'm just you know really thankful to to hear that he's showing uh, great signs of improvement, and uh, um, just so so uh, man, just such a blessing to see that uh, neurologically intact, like you guys just mentioned, is um, so critical, and um, to to see the the improvements that he's showing, and and so soon is uh, just heartwarming, and, and just praying that he continues to improve and recover, and uh, I think it's just a, a really special thing. I, I think you got to. You know, tip your hat to all the medical personnel involved, um, including the ones that were initially on the field. Um, uh, to me, it sounds like their um, initial reactions and, and responses are, are really what led to him having such a, a strong recovery and, and uh, ability to actually have a chance to survive. Um, so, uh, man, you just got to just be so thankful and grateful to the, the medical staff and personnel that um, was down on the field and in the the medical and staff and personnel that's taken over in his recovery that's helping him now and you know just praying that those hands that are touching him continue to affect him in a positive manner and uh, man just such great news um, as he continues to to recover from this devastating injury. Yeah, and uh, as as our friend uh, Robbie Glenn just texted me that the the fact that they started CPR immediately. That they were basically breathing for him, so that would keep the blood flow going, presumably. Um, but uh, and that's a huge reason that uh, that uh, as Robbie is telling me that there's no uh, brain damage and they had the right equipment. I don't know if the defibrillator was used. Uh, I don't know if that information's I been it was, released, but, but I, I I believe it was. And yeah, I mean they just. Everything that needed to be done was done. I have not heard one person criticize how anything was handled uh, in regarding all his, I've heard is regarding his injury. Is praise and yeah. more praise on, on how quickly they were there and how immediately they. 
they recognized the situation and responded in kind. Uh, the really uh, the only downside of this, in my opinion here, guys, I'm not going to get too strong in light of the fact that it really is uh, more about Hamlin than anything, is where's the NFL? I mean, do we know what they're going to do? They're going to have to make a decision today. Why didn't they make a decision earlier? I mean, there, there's got to be several, several options. I, but I, at some point, you've got to go, okay, here it is. Man, I think what they're doing, it's, honestly, it, is they're probably waiting to see it. Like, in my opinion, say they, they come out with um, some some great news that, you know, he's expected to make a full recovery and um, the outlook on it is extremely positive. I think it would be easier for them to make a decision. That way, guys feel a lot more comfortable and, you know, you know, moving forward and playing the game, knowing that um, their brother is going to be okay. I think they've been trying to hold off on making that decision until they had further notice on him because I think um, they're kind of in limbo right now, right? You know, until they have a clear understanding on, you know, how exactly this is going to play out, it's hard for them to make that decision. And that's just my opinion. But if, if I had to guess, that would be what's kind of postponing them on this decision. Matt, on the other side, let's dig into this a little bit deeper before we get to Chris Walsh. Um, let's do. Uh, it is uh, past time for a break. And also, uh, this affected a former Alabama safety. Uh, Christian, did you play with Jared Maiden? Yeah, I did. But, yeah. want to ask you about that, too, because he's now a Bill. Uh, a defensive back. Safety, right, for Alabama? That's right. Uh, had a pretty good senior year. Uh, and he's been bouncing around in the NFL. Now he's with the Bills. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Want to know what's going on with the Crimson Tide? Download the Tide 100.9 app today. Progressive presents Adjusting to the Suburbs. I never thought about space in my cramped apartment, but in this house, all I see is empty space. So fun. Sunny, the high 58. And for Saturday, the sky partially sunny during the day. Then a chance of showers Saturday night, the high 62. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 60 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Back on Big Noon Sports, Christian Miller, Matt Coulter, along with Lars Anderson. Appreciate you folks dialing us in, and, and thanks to our affiliates uh, right here in Birmingham, also in Tuscaloosa, Gadsden, and Anniston. Uh, as I mentioned going on the break, just a quick note here from Christian. Um, Jared Maiden has been acquired from the Jets practice squad um, to the Bills, and this in light of the injury. Uh, just give us a, a quick note on Jared Maiden. He has really been a journeyman in the NFL. Yeah, you know, he played safety here. I uh, played alongside him um, several years. Um, really good athlete, and uh, I think um, it's a, it, this is basically how the NFL works, right? So Jared spent time on their practice squad uh, in Buffalo um, for several weeks uh, around October before he was released, and he was picked up by the Jets practice squad, I believe, and it's kind of how it works in the NFL. You know, they, they – uh, you know, a guy gets injured and they, they have a, a void spot and they need to fill it. And usually they look for guys that, um, you know, that can come play that position and preferably guys that might have a, um, you know, background with their system, uh, a la Jared Maiden, who spent time in their practice squad. So he's had some experience in their system, even if it was for a few short weeks, um, but he'll be able to 
uh, get this opportunity. Um, and it's under un, under an unfortunate circumstances with Demar Hamlin going down, but um, I'm excited for the opportunity Jared has to to go in there and fill in. And um, uh, and again, it's just, it's just all about making the most of your opportunity. You know, he was an undrafted guy, but um, spent time with several teams around the league, and and that's part of the the NFL. It's a business, and um, um, really just really excited for him in this opportunity. He has. Christian, I've always Christian, I've always wondered, and just want to take a, a very, very brief detour, how that works with practice squad, squad, then you're activated, then you're not, then you're picked up, then you are. Uh, and he's a good example because I think he's been on five different teams uh, since 2020. Right. But uh, how does that work, and do you have the details? I mean, what, what's a guy get paid just to be on a practice squad? Um, and so it, it they, they've increased it. It used to be around like 120 uh, per season. But here's the thing, though. You only get paid per week, right? So you don't just get, you know, that base salary. Um, basically, you just get paid, you know, it's that it, each it breaks down by week, right? So if you're on the practice squad two weeks, you get paid two weeks of that uh, 100. I think it's around 180 or 190,000 uh, dollar salary now for practice squad. Um, might even be around 200. Yeah, so about 207,000 uh, for an 18 week uh, stint. Um, but basically, again, that's broken down week by week. Um, on the practice squad, you're allowed to practice with the team, do everything with them, but uh, you don't play in the games. And um, they have new rules now uh, under the new CBA where um, you can get pulled up from the practice squad um, for one week, um, but they can only do it several times after that second or third, uh, after that third time, I believe, then they have to sign you to the active roster, um, which is a really huge benefit for practice squad guys because it gives them an opportunity to um, get signed to active rosters um, because you need to play in at least three games to uh, um, get credited for that season, which then goes towards your retirement. Um, but yeah, so it's, it, it can be a whirlwind for guys. Some guys are journeymen where they, they bounce around and they travel around until they, they really stick with the, a team. Um, you know, and, and sometimes you just got to find the right fit. You know, I know another former teammate, Isaiah Bugs. Um, you know, he was with Pittsburgh uh, his first several years in the league. And then um, he was released by them. And, uh, you know, he, he, he did a couple uh, workouts and whatnot, and then ultimately got signed by the uh, Detroit Lions, as, uh, you know, late in the offseason. And ultimately, he's stepped up huge for them. He's become a leader for that, that team, and they, they love him in Detroit, and uh, he's found a new home. So the NFL is, a, is an interesting business. You know, a lot of people just assume, you know, you're in the football, the NFL, and you're playing football, and you're making all this money. But realistically, that's not how it works. I mean, for, you know, the main starters and the, the superstars, sure. But a lot of those guys, man, you're just getting paid week by week, and you can be in, in Arizona one week, and then the next you can be on your way to Detroit on the practice squad and then get signed because um, that's how it works. If you're a practice squad guy, any team can sign you to their active roster, and that's what we saw with Jared Maiden. He was a member of the Jets practice squad, um, but you're not. You, they can only protect maybe one or two guys per week. The rest are eligible to be signed by other teams. That way guys have a fair chance to really play on that 53-man roster. So it really is the, the 1% when they say that that gets a chance to play in the National Football League. There's not many spots, and uh, it, it's highly competitive, and, and at the end of the day, it's a business. Well done. I'm glad I asked. You know, I I just I read a number that uh, I didn't get a chance to verify it, but I think only 2,700 people have ever played in the NFL. Wow! Does that sound since right? Sling and Sammy? 
<laughs> I mean, going, going maybe, back. Maybe, maybe it's got to be more than that. I don't know. But it, it's like, what, less than 1% of 1% of the entire population. And we are lucky enough to have Christian uh, who has played in the NFL with us. Um, okay, so now that, uh, that DeMar Hamlin, he's not out of the woods, right? He's still in critical condition. He's still in the ICU. But things are trending in the right direction um and that is just wonderful so many prayers have been answered or are being answered but still uh there's there's many miles uh to go here uh however the in the business of the nfl still has to go on and so now the question becomes what do you do about this bills Bengals game that was suspended only after nine minutes of competition, and um, and and Roger Goodell, in a in a memo to the teams on Tuesday, said that um, that the week eighteen, the final week of the season, is going to go on as as uh, as usual, and um, and, uh, and and he did not address whether or not Bengals Bills will be played. However. The eventual result of that game or non-result could have a significant impact on several playoff teams, and so whatever decision is made could lead to changes in playoff seedings, or perhaps prompt teams to rest uh, rest players or or to play players on excuse me on short rest. So uh, the options are uh, one: you, you squeeze in the game. Where you you, uh, you you play it next week, and it's the only game in the NFL that's played, and you take away the uh, bye week between the AFC and NFC Championship games and the Super Bowl. That's one option. Another option that uh, Adam Schefter mentioned this morning, and whatever you think of Schefter, he's normally right. Uh, that is that. If there is a game that involves either Kansas City, or excuse me, uh, Buffalo, Cincinnati, or the Baltimore Ravens, because right now, if Cincinnati does not play, uh, does not make up that game against Buffalo, Cincinnati uh, is going to be uh, the AFC North champions no matter what the outcome of the Bengals-Ravens games on Sunday based on winning percentage. Okay, so the Ravens, but if the game were played and Cincinnati lost and then the Ravens beat the Bengals, then the Ravens would be AFC North champions. So if, if there's any game that involves those three teams, what Schefter was saying is that uh, those? It's it's a possibility that though that that those games could be played at a neutral site, where you divide up the tickets and and all that. But I, that that doesn't seem fair to me either because the last place you want to go is Orchard Park, New York. To play a game <laughs> in in uh, in late January, right? Huge home field advantage for the Bills. Huge. 
uh, and and also, you know, all all home field uh, all home fields are. Uh, yeah, a, a but huge that's advantage. a that's a little larger, don't you think? Yes. In in yes. January. Yes. Um, and then, I mean, it's possible that you could award the game to the Bengals. The fact that they led the game seven to three, and theoretically they could be awarded the victory. I, I don't think that's going to happen. You could call it a tie. Uh, but I, I think, uh, and, and again, I mentioned push the playoffs back. The way things seem to be going right now is that I don't think this game's going to be played. And they're going to have to come up with some creative solution to this sort of logistical nightmare that, uh, that this whole thing has caused. Um, uh, Christian, I'll, I'll go to you first. Um, again, I, I'm, I'm basing a lot of this off of the reporting from Adam Schefter, but, uh, what, what do you think is the best case scenario here? I think whatever, um, you know, offers, you know, proper e- equity between, you know, all the teams, um, is the right decision. And, uh, but first and foremost, whatever, um, is appropriate for the players that were involved in the situation. Um, I think you need to take that into consideration um, before making any decisions. Um, I'll be honest, as a player, I don't really pay attention to what games uh, implicate what, you know, I just want to win every single game I play. I don't give a damn if it's a regular season game, preseason game, or playoff game. I, I, I Just put me on the field, and I want to play, and I want to win. So I, I'll be honest, I'm probably not the best person to ask. A coach would probably be better because <laughs> I, I guess I always, as long as I'm in control of my destiny, I'm, that's all I worry about. If I if I got control of that and I can and you know uh, you know participate in the outcome, that's all that matters. I don't care if I'm home away. I always feel like I got a fighting chance. But that's just me, guys. That's just me. There you uh, there you have Christian Miller, who every day is all about the process. What do you think, Matt? <laughs> what's the what's I the think best? That, I think as far as uh, being equal to teams and so forth, playing the game next weekend is the best option. But it's a it's a train wreck. Of what it creates for all the other teams and all, and the venues and the hot dog sell. I mean, it's just so I don't know if they'll do that, but um, I, I think they need to do it rather quickly. Well, I think that it has to be done before kickoff of the games uh, on Saturday. I mean, everybody needs to know what the heck's going on, and, and so I think the NFL is going to come out and make a decision most likely later on today. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. Speaking of uh, your former employer, uh, that being Sports Illustrated, we'll talk to Bama Central's Chris Walsh in a moment. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Here's to Prilosec OTC. Without Prilosec, I wouldn't be able to enjoy all this yummy holiday food. Speaking of, whoever made that apple pie, delicious. Two area code. I should start giving out these numbers on the air. There's probably a rule against that. Eric misspelled Ainge. Why don't you bring your punk blank to Georgia and we will get your punk blank straight? No, that's a threat. I like it. That one hurt. Ow. Couldn't even sign your name to it. What a worthless text. If you're going to talk trash, at least sign your name to it. Yeah. Eric signed his name to every dumb thing he said. So 100%. Come on. 
Come on, Georgia fans. I'm actually disappointed in you now. At least you took the time to listen to figure out how you can text it. Eric Ainge, former Tennessee quarterback, has a podcast, and he came out with some really insulting things about Stetson Bennett. And we'll get to that a little bit later on the show. But welcome back to Big Noon Sports with Christian Miller, Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, and joined now by Bama Central's Chris Walsh. Chris, uh, Happy New Year, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I'll just start with a, a really, really simple question. Who will be Alabama's quarterback next year? <laughs> yeah, that's real simple. Hello? That's a nice way to start the year. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Oh, just—I uh, don't know. Try and answer. Good. No, it—it's it, like it's—it's oh. it, January fifth. I think it is. Is that the date? Six somewhere there. It <laughs> is fifth. Six. Um, no, I mean it's. Look, I can tell you who's going to go into the spring as the leader in the clubhouse. That's not a, a challenge, and then, and everybody knows that one. But this is going to play out. You know, this is going to be an open competition, and it's, you know, Saban always says at the end of the day, it's the guy who wins over the team. I mean, it's it's pretty much true. I mean, it's they're not going to sit there and, and force-feed the team a guy that it necessarily doesn't want to be, you know, the quarterback. It's going to be the guy who's going to win it out over a long period of time. So, I mean, we could sit here for six months, and I'm sure we will, you know, speculating on who that who that guy's going to be, but it's it's you know we're 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 just kind of like you know putting the horses in, into the you know in, in, into the starting gate on this one kind of thing. This we've got a long way to go on that. Are you surprised that we didn't see Ty Simpson play at all this year? Uh, not necessarily. I mean. I, like he's going to get every chance to you know to show what he can do and and develop and and he's going to get he's going to have his opportunities um, especially in the spring. Um, this season was really about Bryce Young, and I the one time that I thought okay we're definitely going to see him kind of things after Bryce got hurt, and I thought we might see a little, you know, we're going to try a couple different things here, but I mean it was Jason Milrow and, and they went with him and that was it. Um, yeah, it's the, one of the really weird things about this season. Um, and this comes with having a tougher schedule is we didn't see, you know, second, third. I mean, we saw second line guys. We didn't see third line guys as much as we used to, uh, kind of, and it reminded me a little bit of the COVID year, you know, in, in that respect and that. They didn't really have the chance to develop guys like they want to or they hope to, but um, you know, it's he's going to get plenty of opportunities, and, and and you know, he's got the new guys coming in. They're they're going to get looks, and when they get there, and, and, and so forth, and uh, you know, I know everybody's already going to be looking for the answers on that, but it's it's they got to let it play out a little bit. Chris, following the press conference with the underclassmen um, featuring uh, Bryce. Uh, <clears throat> Bryce Young, Will Anderson, and uh, Jameer Gibbs announcing that they would forego their, their senior seasons and enter the NFL draft. Um, we've seen several other names uh, pop up and guys like, uh, is it uh, Eli Ricks? I think Henry Toto just announced that he's foregoing his senior season. Brian Branch. Did any of those uh, last few names surprise you? 
Um, surprise is kind of an interesting word. It'd be, it'd, I'm going to answer your question in a minute. I've got to ask you real quick. Do people call you Mr. Outdoors around the football building? <laughs> uh, n- maybe not necessarily that exact name, but I, I am well known for my uh, my outdoor endeavors, yes. I was going to say, they should if they don't. So it's like maybe we, we, <laughs> hey, we wait, should get that's, t-shirts that's later. Break, that, that's breaking news. We well, yeah, heard that one, and I, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, please expand, Chris. Yeah. Why? Is it hunting and fishing? Oh, like you guys, I, when I'm off, I'm sure you guys could talk about this for the rest of the day. But this man, I mean, I, I, like when he was a player in Alabama, it's like, you know, obviously we follow everyone that we could on social media. And, you know, we just kind of going along and it's like, oh, and there's, there's, you know, Mr. Miller with the Loch Ness Monster that he caught today kind of thing. And <laughs> it's just like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I definitely enjoy being outdoors and, uh, I started fishing when I was younger, but yeah, I've become quite the uh, the outdoorsman over the years, and I, I do take pride in the things I catch and 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 when I get a chance to go hunting. So yes, I did enjoy sharing those because a lot of people, a lot of fans, actually loved that content uh, when I was in school here. Uh, I think they felt that it was a, a great way that they could connect with me because you know here in Alabama, um, they do a lot of hunting and fishing as well. Um, and, you know, in South Carolina, we do that as well. So I think it was just a, a way for them to form a connection with me. And I really got known um, around the state for that. So that's funny you bring that up. But, uh, yeah, I guess Matt and uh, Lars weren't uh, too familiar with that. But I guess now they know. You learn something new every day. Yeah, see, I sometimes I want I was to familiar. Go ahead. Uh, I was familiar with your love of the outdoors because we've talked about that. But I didn't know it was such a love that it warranted a nickname. So we're going to have to change the open to the show. We're going to have to change our website, all because he's now known as Mr. Outdoors. I think that's, I think that's very cool. Okay, all that for later in the show. Christian, you have a question? Yeah, yeah no, I just was asking Chris, Chris just uh, did any of the, the names surprise him? Uh, some, of the, um, some of the underclassmen that had just uh, announced they'd be foregoing their senior seasons, like Henry Toto, Eli Ricks, and uh, Brian Branch. I mean, I, I think Brian Branch we kind of expect, especially after the way he finished the season. I mean, he, he looks like the number one safety. Um, but uh, guys like Eli Ricks, uh, I kind of was um, kind of surprised. I almost feel like he really could have benefited from coming back and playing another year. Uh, I just was wondering your thoughts on that. Yeah, just it, just to wrap up the previous thing real quick. It's like I used to sit there though and go like like you would post something and be like, where is he going around here that he's getting all this stuff? So that's the, <laughs> I think that's the discussion later on. Um, guys that surprised me, yeah, uh, Will Riker coming back surprised me a little bit. Um, I, I agree with you. I think Eli Ricks would have benefited by coming back, but obviously with you know the money that's kind of out there and the demand of his position, I think he's still going to get drafted pretty well. And, and and probably you know probably do real well in the NFL. Yeah, I, but there really weren't that many surprises. You know, I mean, uh, Henry Toto, we kind of knew. Um, you know, guys who said they were going to the Senior Bowl. You know, it, it's we're, that's a dead giveaway, obviously. Usually, so for for Will Riker to turn around and say, you know what, I changed my mind. That that's why that stood out to me so much. It was like, whoa, you know, but. Yeah, the kickers obviously, as we know in the NFL, it's really tricky. It's it's you know there's only 32 jobs out there, and sometimes guys have to wait a couple of years for their opportunities. So, you know, I thought about it. I was like, you know, that makes sense that he should come back. Hey, can you hang on uh, for another segment, Chris? 
Yeah, since I, I ruined the first one, yeah, by by talking about outdoors, um, no. I'll be happy. <laughs> it was the it was the opposite. You didn't ruin it. Uh, we we got a little bit more on Christian. I do. I want to know where he hunts in Alabama. Yeah, too. that's uh, like, we we have our. I can't uh, give up all my spots. Hour. I got to keep some things. Well, no, 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 no. Just, just <laughs> relatively, no, I'll give you some relative uh, locations. Well, I want to know uh, some of your trophies too. All right, uh, we'll continue with Big Noon Sports in a moment. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside, this is Big Noon Sports. Want to know what's going on with the Crimson Tide? Download the Tide 100.9 app today. By now, you know that sound. It's the sound of the Home Depot. But what about that sound? You're listening to a set of GE appliances, complete with sunny, the high 58. Then for Saturday, the sky partially sunny during the day, then a chance of showers Saturday night, the high 62. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 61 degrees in Tuscaloosa. For companies that we can put... Just take those Back on Big Noon Sports, Christian Miller, Matt Coulter, Lars Anderson, and our guest from Bama Central is Chris Walsh. Get back to Q&A with you, Chris, but quickly catch everybody up on how they can follow you and your team. Oh, Bama Central, we're your Sports Illustrated home for all things Crimson Tide, and we actually have a lovely gymnastics season preview on our site. We're the only news outlet that... um, outside of the, the CW that, that covers the gymnastics team. And we're ready to go because the season opens on Friday. And uh, everything to do with the coming and going of players and um, basketball. You know, we are we are all in on the, on the Crimson Tide basketball team. As, you know, it's, it's, I've been sitting there making our plans the last couple of days and what we're going to do um, for the postseason and how many people we're going to send to the SEC tournament and so forth. And uh, we're going <laughs> to... This team's going to make a run, I think. Um, it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, and hopefully they'll be here in the uh, Birmingham Regional, right? Or the the first round, first second round. But hey, but before we get into basketball, and I and we definitely want to get into that. Can you just kind of wrap a bow on the Alabama football season from your perspective? Uh, Look, anything around here that doesn't end in a national championship is considered, you know, not up to par. But, um, you know, that's unrealistic to think that you can win a national title every year. But just, again, from where you sit, how would you characterize this Alabama football season? Yeah, I mean, look, really good team. Just didn't quite get to where they, they wanted to be. And, uh, you know, it's it's been really kind of interesting to me because it's you know I get these people and I'm like oh my goodness you know two losses like you got to be kidding me you know I mean especially the way that the losses happened because I mean you're talking overtime where you know there was a two point conversion they never got a chance to answer and a last second kick in the two craziest environments I mean those were nuts you know Tennessee fans after 15 years of losing. 
you know, to Alabama were foaming at the mouth, and LSU fans, after everything they went, well, they foam at the mouth anyways, but LSU fans, after everything they went through, through, I mean, those people were going nuts, and I don't think Alabama fans are giving enough credit to just how tough that was, the settings, and and everything that, that, that this team had to go through. You know, Bryce Young got hurt. You know, and people are acting like he wasn't hurt. He you know, he couldn't throw downfield. I mean, come on. Um, it was a good season. It just wasn't a national championship season. That's all. And uh, uh, Chris, just following up, um, your what's your characterization of the Alabama basketball season so far? Um, it, it, it seems like, uh, this team is getting better and better and better every single game. Yeah. And that's the thing I think, you know, at this point, you know, non-conference is over. We're now getting a conference play and this is when you want to start seeing, you know, teams are going one direction or another. Have they peaked already? Uh, you know, are, are they still climbing? Are they hungry? I really, really like this team. Has depth, has talent. They seem to have their 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 heads on straight. You know, when you have veteran guys who are taking less minutes to fill roles, so the team can be, can get better. That's a really, really good sign. And Quinterly, I, you know, that Ole Miss game that was the first time I kind of went, "Whoa!" I mean, he's beginning to play really, really well. It was. You know, he came back and he was going, you know, that's really impressive that he came back. How long is it going to take till he gets, you know, maybe are we going to see the, 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 the Quinterly of old? And now we're beginning to see that. And they've got key guys, key spots, guys coming back from injuries. I, I really, really like this team. And I'm beginning to circle the game at Tennessee a little bit. And, and just that's, that could decide, that's probably going to decide the SEC regular season round. Um, and the fact that it's at Tennessee this year uh, is going to be quite a challenge for this team. You know, and uh, SEC schedule is going to be brutal. I mean, uh, they got Kentucky this week. I mean, and, and Kentucky's not even the, considered the be, you know the best team or you know third, fourth best team. I don't know right now. It's it's they haven't come together. And uh, it. Right now, I, I think if the if the SEC is going to get a number one seed in the NCAA tournament, and I think there's a good chance it's going to happen, it's going to be Alabama. Let's take a break from our conversation, if you'll excuse us, Chris, because Lars has some breaking news. Dr. Timothy Pritz, uh, who has been one of the doctors caring for DeMar Hamlin, uh, and he was responding to questions on signs that DeMar is neuro- neurologically intact, and he said that while he was still intubated, Hamlin asked in writing who won the Bengals-Bills game once he woke up. Whoa. Whoa. So he is he's able to write? I mean, I'm, I'm not – That, I mean, that the, the tells cognitive... you that his, his, that his cognitive, cognitive abil- abilities are just fine. Wow. Which is amazing. This is three days ago. I mean, he was – without heartbeat on the field. And this comes That's from uh, Rachel Hopmayer, who is the uh, a sports reporter in Buffalo who covers the Bills and the Sabres, and she's got over 11,000 followers. So uh, I'm 
assuming that this is accurate information. It's also very positive information. As we started the show, uh, people were referring to his progress as remarkable, and I would say that's pretty remarkable right there. And, and Chris, uh, let's go back to you while we still have you. Uh, wh- what was your reaction uh, when you saw the DeMar Hamlin injury on, on, on Monday night and just, uh, you know, what, what was going through your head? Uh, you know, a little different for me, and I know you guys are up against the, the time here, so uh, I'm going to make this as short as I can. Um, it, I When I was in Little League, there was a guy, there was a coach in the next field over who had a heart attack, and, and, and they worked on him, and they took him off, and he ended up dying. And it's something, you see something like that, it stays with you forever. And so I immediately went back to there, and... Um, you know, it also reminded me of like coaches who've been on the field and they take a shot, you know, with a baseball that have have died. Uh, I'm just so thankful that he's still alive, and uh, you know, tip my hat to all the medical people that helped him. Uh, just remarkable. It is indeed remarkable, Chris. So are you. Thank you for your time. We'll check in again with you next week. Thanks, man. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Chris. Back at one. What you've heard about probiotics is probably wrong. I eat yogurt, so I don't need to take a probiotic. Probiotics? They don't really work. Welcome back to Big Noon Sports with Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, and Christian Miller. Back on Big Noon Sports, Matt, Lars, Christian, the gang is here. Tim Brando from Fox will be joining us at the bottom of the hour. Big story, uh, and we just uh, gave it to you before our top of the hour break, and that's the news concerning DeMar Hamlin just continues to progress and get better. Um, I reported to you an hour ago that this morning I read, you know, his eyes were open. He had gripped the hand of a teammate. Uh, There were reports from the physicians that said uh, he was neurologically intact. But then, Lars, just a moment ago, uh, you got a report of a reliable, from a reliable source that um, he's not just neurologically, neurologically intact, he's communicating. Yeah, I'll, I'll repeat what I said at the, uh, at the top of the last hour. Or is it the bottom of the last hour? It was the, towards the top. <laughs> okay, I don't know. Um, uh, Dr. Timothy Pritz... Uh, who is one of the attending physicians, uh, he uh, commented on signs that DeMar Hamlin is neurologically intact. And he said, while still intubated, Hamlin asked in writing who won the Bills-Bengals game once he woke up. Wow. That was one of the first things he wanted to know was the outcome of the game. That tells me a whole lot. I mean, I don't know if the word alert can be used here, but I think it's pretty close. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think we could receive any better news than than that right there. Um, indeed. Uh, I wonder if, based on what Christian was um, alluding to earlier, that maybe the NFL was waiting for some news like this. Christian, you think now they'll progress and, and kind of come up with a plan uh, as how the season moves forward as we are into week 18? 
You know, I can't say for certain, Matt, but I, I do feel that it, it makes it slightly easier um, to move forward and progress with coming up um, with a plan that, that has proper equity for everybody involved. But it makes it just a little bit easier knowing um, that guys can slowly begin to, you know, almost have somewhat of a, a, a you know, breath of fresh air, a sigh of relief, knowing that he's continuing to improve now. Granted, I, I still believe he's um, technically considered critical condition still. However, you know, signs that, you know, um, he's uh, neurologically intact, um, responding um, to questions and, and, and basically, you know, is, is aware. It's, it's, it's truly uh, amazing. It's nothing short of a miracle. I mean, I think this I think this is a testament of, you know, two things, the power of prayer and, and what God is able uh, to do um, with prayer and, and when people come together, but also just um, just it's so astonishing what this medical staff has been able to accomplish and uh, just makes you so grateful for, for people because Lord knows I'm not as smart as these doctors and, and man, I'm so grateful that <laughs> there's people that, that are this talented and, and, and uh, well-versed to, to handle these situations because man, I mean, to hear about a player that was, um, had to be resuscitated on the field and, and not once, but twice and, and all the procedures that have been going on and, and the, the, um, you know, real time updates that they, they, they have to do and they've been working with them nonstop. Wow. Um, nothing short of a miracle, but to answer your question, yeah, I think, I think this will allow the NFL to slowly progress. Um, I think the players themselves will start to have a, a much better feeling knowing that DeMar is doing uh, better and that he's improving. And uh, I think we're one step closer to kind of, um, you know, moving in the right direction and, 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 you know, finally, you know, maybe figuring out what to do in terms of the NFL schedule. Cause I get it, you know, as a player, I hate to say this, but it, it is still business and there's a lot of, um, factors involved in terms of contracts and deals and in playoff situations. So uh, a lot of implications, but those will be decided shortly, I believe. All right, get the Kleenex out. When DeMar Hamlin asked the doctors that question, who won the game while still intubated, the doctors responded, quote, you did. You won, wow. you won the game of life. And he is moving his hands and feet. And to quote a doctor, uh, it's not only that the lights are on, but he's home. Wow. Pretty powerful stuff. Yeah. Very. It's uh, really, really good. And I'll be honest with you, you know, just from I, my perspective, the, the, I didn't expect anything. I expected and hoped and actually thought the chances of a full recovery were better than not. But for it to happen this quickly is just like, like Christian said, and by the way, I just saw that your dad tweeted it as well. Praise God. Um, and the power of prayer, uh, as Christian just said. Um, you know, just, Matt, you and I are both motorsports guys. I was worried about a Michael Schumacher type of outcome here. Um, and and I, I don't know if you can just summarize real quickly off the top of your head what happened to Schumacher. Well, he had a horrible, but there's a skiing accident. Skiing was accident. It not? It, he, was, he was the greatest driver in the world, Formula One, highest paid athlete in the world, and uh, got in some sort of skiing accident. We still, I mean, all these years later, we still don't know. There's an excellent documentary on uh, um, Netflix just called Schumacher. That, that that dives into it, but uh, he's a, essentially a vegetable, 
And I don't he lives think... in his home with his wife, and she asks, doesn't allow any access. No information comes out of it. Yeah, that, which is it's in the documentary too. Yes, but when when this initially happened, and there there was so much attention to Hamlin on the field, I thought back, and, and you may remember this. Uh, Christian was maybe in elementary school, but do you remember a, a player by the name of um, Dennis Bird? Yeah, he was a Jets Jets defensive lineman. He went to rush quarterback. This happened in 1992. Um, But anyway, ended up with an unbelievable neck injury. And he was on the field for a long time. But the reason I bring this up is because he's recovered. But most notably, I remember how everyone lauded the efforts of the medical staff. Because on the field, they gave him this procedure about running ice through his spine. Do you remember this? Yes. It was incredibly. I said, how did they do this? <clears throat> but in a sense, they didn't just save his life. They saved him. I mean, he walks now, right? Yes. Yeah. And, and, it's, it's and pretty he, much fully he was functioning. Walking, uh, yeah. He's functioning. Um, Which again goes and, back to my point here is man, these medical staffs are fantastic. You know, Christian, it seems to me one of the more dangerous plays in football is it's when, uh, and this this pertains to you, when you're an edge rusher and you're coming at full speed and you, you sort of get pushed beyond the quarterback and you end up colliding with the other edge rusher. Mm-hmm. Has that ever happened? Because that's what happened to Dennis Bird, if exactly. I remember correctly. It yeah, was it was quarterback stepped up in the pocket. And yeah, boom. and he and he hit his own teammate. Mm-hmm. Has anything like that ever happened to you in football? Oh yeah, I mean, when you're you know you're when you're coming off the edge, I mean you're you're running you know full speed. All you're worried about is beating that tackle in front of you. And uh, if the quarterback does step up and 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 say both. The edge guys do, you know, beat their tackle, and you're they're at the same level. That that happens a lot. Um, but I'll be honest, usually it's it's you know you see it last minute. It's almost like you see a flash of your teammate, and you just um, you know react in like any in, in, in any manner you can to kind of avoid him the best you can. You know, you, you know you're going to make contact, but obviously I'm just not going to just keep course and just stay like you know run headfirst into them um normally you see them you just try to like throw your your body out the way as best as possible and you still make some type of contact but you you almost kind of um limit the collision um so yeah that happens a lot um but you, you, for it's weird you almost have this instinct where as soon as you recognize that you're about to collide you just do what you can to kind of get out of the way but i have seen guys get banged up from doing that but um, fortunately, not not to the degree that you guys are mentioning, um, where it was a serious injury. Just you know, the worst I've seen is you know guys um, get banged up and they're down for a minute, um, maybe a possible concussion, but nothing you know career ending or anything to that nature. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. That's Christian Miller, Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter. We do take your phone calls at two zero five three four two nine nine zero four. And with that, we bring on Steve. Steve, what's going on? I hope you're having a great day. Doing, doing great, fellas. How you guys doing? Doing well. Great. Terrific. Matt, you might be the only one on the on the crew that remembers this early seventies. I don't, and I don't even remember the exact the exact year, but uh, I know you. I know you know the names: uh, Jack Tatum, Daryl Stingley. Yep. Different Broncos. 
Tatum was known as a headhunter, and he was never the same player after that. I don't know what you know, I, I don't know. There's, there's really nobody knows exactly what uh, he did after Sting, that. Stingley never, never walked again. He yeah. was a wide receiver yeah, yeah. for the Patriots. Right. And no, he went over Bronco, the middle. And it was, a, it was a slant pattern. Yeah. It Broncos. Yeah. Broncos. Tatum hit him. It was an NFL, but, you know, it was a hit. Yeah. It was perfectly it was, legit. Darryl Stingley, he played for the Broncos, and Tatum was a headhunter. And he paralyzed him from that hit from the neck down. And Stingley just died about. Oh, a handful of years ago, after being paralyzed for the neck down, and I think he led. You know, uh, from from what all I gather, he led a pretty good life, even being paralyzed like that. He he lasted a long time, but Jack Tatum was never the same. In fact, I think he retired just a couple years later. Wow, I uh, penned a book called "They Call Me Assassin." Yeah. Um, yeah, but you know what? So Dar- Daryl Singley, he passed away in uh, he passed away on my birthday, April fifth, uh, back in two thousand seven. And yeah. I, I, I hate to I hate to correct you, but he he played for the New England Patriots from nineteen seventy three okay. to seventy seven. Okay. Yeah. All right. But, that's, no, that's but fine. that's inconsequential. That's that's inconsequential to the point you're making. You're right. Yeah. I and and I. Uh, just going piggybacking off what you're saying, I worry about T. Higgins. Yeah, and how yeah, is he going to respond? That's why I'm bringing. Do it y'all up. remember and talking about documentaries? If you want to watch one that truly bring two boxes of tissues, watch the Brad Gaines Chucky Mullins. Brad Gaines was the guy carrying the football when Chucky Mullins, the safety from Ole Miss who is uh, still remembered every year oh, with yeah. the number 38. Yes. And he goes yeah. to Chucky Mullen's grave every year, I think on the day of the collision, but he continues <laughs> to do that. And Chucky, unfortunately, passed away. Uh, it wasn't a short time after his injury, but he had a massive head injury, and it, it eventually contributed, well, it eventually led to his death. But Brad Gaines is never the same. He's still never the same. Yeah. No, um, no. And – I, I, I too, uh, especially after the hit, <clears throat> and because people don't show a lot of the video, which I'm really okay with, um, as, as just as he's falling, you can see T. Higgins, both hands, come up to the side of his head. As he watched out of the right corner of his eye, he watched Hamlin fall. And I think that was an immediate rela- reaction to, oh, my God, what has just happened? Yeah, and uh, Steve, let me ask you: Did you see in real time the uh, Daryl Stingley Jack State uh, Jack Tatum hit? Well, if you're asking me, was I watching the game? No, but I saw I saw enough of the the, the playback that was in real time, and it was. Um, well, I remember they they calling it vicious. Um, I was maybe ten, twelve years old, Matt. I don't know. You're in there somewhere. Lars, I'm not sure how old you are. But I just remember seeing the hit uh, on replay after replay after replay. And it was, you know, it's one of the guy just didn't die. No, I can't say that. It's just I don't know how he got up. I don't know how he was able to move from that point on. But he did. He persevered. But the hit itself was one of the most violent things 
on a, on a on an on an athletic field that I've ever seen in my life. Steve, great call. We appreciate call. your contribution you. as hey, always. Hey, listen, I love your show. Appreciate your time. Thanks, Steve. Thank you. Appreciate it a lot. You know, going even further back, and I was a child when this happened. It was at Legion Field, Alabama was playing Texas A and M, and a Texas A and M received um, an in, a, a horrible neck, shoulder, head injury, whatever the case may be. And um, I remember Coach Bryant took care of him and his family until he passed away. Um, now that was Legion Field, and I think the early seventies or something like that. But why didn't you tell me that when I was writing Chasing the Bear? Because you never asked. <laughs> You're listening to Big Noon Sports. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. Want to know what's going on with the Crimson Tide? Download the Tide 100.9 app today. Score! Football is back, and no one does it better than the sportsbook at Golden Moon Casino. This season, you can watch the games with nothing on the line. Boring. Or sunny, the high 58. And for Saturday, the sky partially sunny during the day. Then a chance of showers Saturday night, the high 62. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 62 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Relationships with some... Mar Hamlin is showing signs of improvement. This after going into cardiac arrest during Monday night's football game. NFL stadiums around the country lit up the Buffalo Bills team colors, including Arrowhead Stadium right over on the other side of the state in Kansas City. The Bills say Hamlin remains in the ICU in critical condition at a Cincinnati hospital with signs of improvement. The support around DeMar, like continuing that is, is, is phenomenal. Um, I think just prayers, well wishes. Uh, and, and to be honest, like from DeMar's perspective, is like just being a good person, doing good things, like that's what he would want for people. People are showing support for Hamlin by donating to his GoFundMe page to help fund a toy drive. The original goal was set at $2,500, and so far, donations have topped nearly $7 million. Buffalo Bills player DeMar Hamlin is showing uh, there you have, uh, that was from ESPN like 20 minutes ago, so that's about as up-to-date as you can get. And we're going to take Leon's call in just a moment, but we were talking about how this might affect T. Higgins um, because he collided with Hamlin in what started this injury. But there is an update, and I read it last night, and you just got another text or um, yeah tweet about it. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, really, really good friend of mine in Nebraska. Uh, just texted me that basically, um, from her understanding, and I've been able to verify this, that T. Higgins has been a constant in the hospital and that he, uh, he just, uh, it, it pains him to leave, uh, the bedside. Like he, he just wants to be there and, um, he clearly feels immense guilt but, you know, the, the family of DeMar has said repeatedly, it's not your fault. Don't. It, it was a freak football accident that could have happened to anyone at any time. And a lot of this goes back. And I think the majority of NFL fans uh, feel compassion for T. Higgins. 
given the burden that he was left with that after the collision and and the ensuing uh you know uh tragic scare but it was uh, ESPN's Bart Scott and I think in a in a recklessly uh take a reckless take that he had uh, painted Higgins out to be the one who had a dirty hit in the situation and and that was just you know absolutely ridiculous and Stephen A Smith came out and tried to defend Bart Scott yeah okay uh, that's just a bunch of bs um and it just it, it angers me uh and I, I i think uh espn needs to look long and hard at whether or not they want to keep employing bart scott i i'm not i'm never one who wants anyone to lose their job but when you say something like that you better be ready for the consequences just ask never mind i'm not going there um, let's go to the phones. You can call us up on Big Noon Sports at 205-342-9904, and we do that with Leon. Leon, welcome to the program. Hey, thank you. Uh, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. You too. Happy New Year. Okay, I just want, I was calling, I was, I'd be listening every day, and I heard the last, uh, before the break, I wanted to make the correction during the break, but the the school was incorrect. The, the, the guy was at, for TCU, Kent Walter, the guy hit on the left side. You are right. Is that Brian? Is that Brian in the stadium? Michael Washington out of Montgomery, defensive back out of Montgomery, number thirty-four. It's the one who made the hit. And the reason I know it's because I was down there on the sideline. I was right in front of where it happened. At. Wow! And it was TCU. And I stand corrected. Uh, you're right. It was yeah, TCU. I, I, I wanted to do it. I, the guy who I called into, I told, him, I asked him, could I talk to Christian during the break? I didn't even want to make the correction on the air because I don't want to be Mr. Right. But I, I don't care. A guy that was that was listening and heard the statement was a guy that was standing right there about 10 feet away from the actual accident. Wow. And it was, oh, the, what the a great report. Kent Walter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The guy was Kent Walter with the tailback for TCU and Michael Washington, the defensive back out of Montgomery, number 34, I'll never forget. That made the hit. And I Washington mean, was a hell of a player too now. Yes, he was. Uh, the I do remember him. Mm-hmm. But I was correct. I'm, I'm almost. Mm-hmm. Go ahead well, about Kent, Kent Walter. Well, Kent Walter was the guy, and he wound up in a wheelchair paralyzed. And uh, I always I think about that a lot. I mean a lot. Because it happened right in front oh. of him. <laughs> it did. It. And, and like I said, it was at Brian Denny. It wasn't in uh, Legion Field. It was at Brian Denny. And it was on the, uh, the eastern sideline. And uh, oh. we were headed, they were headed to the south end zone, like fourth where the graveyard uh, is. And Alabama had, was defense was facing the north. Mm-hmm. And I remember it real well. I have trouble I have trouble remembering what I did yesterday. You have an no, impressive God, memory, right. Leon. <laughs> well, like I said, I wanted uh, to make the – well, the reason I have a, a real uh, – a, a good memory of that is because, like I said, I was 10 feet away. Because it happened right up the sideline. And I was 10 feet yeah. away, and it, I, I mean, here it is years, years, years later. I was a teenager then, and I'm 65 years old now, and I can remember it like it was yesterday. Mm-hmm. Wow. And it's still... Because Obviously, of the I can't. The guy, <laughs> you know, well, because of the condition the guy wind up in, I'll ne- I can never forget yeah. it. I can never forget it. And it was a noble thing by Coach Bryant to do what he did and follow that family all the way through with that. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
Now Extremely that part I got right. So I got about 50% oh, yeah, you of it. But hey, Leon, you did, you did get that great right. call. Call some more. Oh, we are listening yeah, every day. You're right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Hey, well, look here. Yes, great you call, guys, Leon. Man, y'all, yo, y'all do a great show, man. Y'all continue the good work. Yes, sir. Thank you, Leon. All right. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Leon. And uh, this comes from one of our producers, and it's uh, in, in originally it's from uh, Candace Hare at uh, Fox 19 in Cincinnati. Uh, she is uh, reporting that, uh, and this is kind of what Matt and I talked about, and, and Christian yesterday, of, of the, the goodness that has come out of this uh, tragic situation, which suddenly has taken a turn for the uh, for the better, and that is uh, that that uh, a bunch of uh, elementary school teachers in Cincinnati have had their kids making cards and sending cards both to Hamlin and T. Higgins this week to uplift them. And I would think with that announcement, many more will follow. Yes. And I love the fact that they're including T. Higgins. I mean, bills are practicing, right? Yeah. And, and, and these cards are being delivered by the Bengals' uh, head coach, Zach Taylor's wife, Sarah. Awesome. Love to get Brando's take on this, wouldn't you? Let's do it. When we come back, Tim Brando of Fox Sports will be joining Lars, myself, and Mr. Outdoors. <laughs> this is Big Noon Sports with Lars, Matt, and Christian. By now, you know that sound. It's the sound of the Home Depot. But what about those sounds? Those are the sounds of an LG wash tower with ultra-large cap- Hey, welcome back to the program, Big Noon Sports. Christian Miller, Matt Coulter, Lars Anderson. We'll hook up here with Brando in just a second. But um, a really important announcement as we continue to grow this show is that our, our website is up, and it's easy access. You just download the website, hit Listen Live, and you can hear our show every day. So we're very proud of that. It's a very clean, good-looking Unlike Lars and myself, and like Christian Miller, uh, <laughs> it's it's a great website, and you can listen there. It's bignoonsports.com, and Lars just accessed it, and yeah, boom. Yeah, it looks right great. It looks great, and uh, thanks to people at Town Square for putting it together. Uh, indeed. Tim Brando joins us now on uh, our program today. Timmy, how are you? Happy New Year, and... I'm going to get this out of the way real quick because you said Alabama was in big trouble. I've gotten text after text. I'm sure you got <laughs> tweets about it. But uh, please tell us the best tweet that you got concerning your prediction. And how are you, man? It's good to talk to you. Well, it's good to talk to you guys. It's um, it's uh, it's always bigger when it's when it's called big, right? Big noon, yeah. big noon kickoff, big noon sports. Big. Yeah, I, I think you went with something great there, Lars. Inventive. I can tell that you're a, a wonderful writer. To come, you found the right word. It's big. You know, it's just it's well, big. Wait, wait a minute. Time, time out. Okay. Time out. Time All right. Out. I, I gotta say, I gotta, I gotta say, there's there there may y'all. or may not have been a little bit of plagiarism going on. Uh-huh. With the word big. <laughs> 
I'll, I'll admit it stop, on air. It didn't stop. It, it didn't stop Joe Biden from becoming president. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God bless wow. you, man. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Timmy B coming out way, firing. I love it. <laughs> well, well. Right away, you understand how I deflect a question about a bad prediction. So good, that's good how job, Lars. <laughs> uh, blocking bridge. Uh, no, uh, you know what? I didn't get a lot of uh, I didn't get a lot of uh, a blowback uh, actually on Twitter. I think maybe because Alabama fans were so pissed about not being in the playoff, they didn't care what I thought about the, the Kansas State game. <laughs> maybe uh, that was it. You know, I. Uh, uh, I thought uh, early on, I said, my goodness, I, I, I do think they're going to. And, you know, K-State jumped out to that 10 nothing lead. But then uh, Bryce Young put on a show. I mean, good for him. I thought it was, uh, you know, incredible. I mean, it was. Uh, the only thing I did see, and it wasn't directed towards me, but I did see a lot of this. And this is to be expected. I, I'm, I'm fine with it. I, I have fun with it. I don't take any of the stuff uh, from Alabama personally, from their fan base. I, I, I rather enjoy it, frankly. Um, but when the stuff comes out afterwards, well, now you know we should, you know well, if we were playing TCU, would we have won? Or uh, if we were playing on a neutral <laughs> field next week, well, how big of a, an underdog would uh, would they be? You know that kind of stuff. I'm like, hey, you know, that, that's what gets old. Okay, you lost the two games. You didn't get in the hypotheticals and, and this notion that you know how how if a team uh, were favored, we're supposed to like what? Not play the game? Was Georgia uh, favored by so much that Ohio State shouldn't have played, or that Michigan and TCU shouldn't have played because Michigan was no, no. And no matter how big a favorite Georgia is this week. Uh, against TCU, uh, they're going to play, and and whether it's the spread is thirteen and a half or or seven, uh, I don't think that that should come into the conversation when discussing a prediction. A prediction is just that; it's an opinion. Uh, you give the opinion, and a lot of times you're right, and a lot of times uh, you're really wrong. And I missed on Alabama, K State, but I was certainly right about TCU. And against the spread, I was right about Ohio State and Georgia. I almost swept the playoff. You know, I, I picked Ohio State and TCU to win. So, you know, the Alabama fans were actually pretty kind to me. They didn't uh, they didn't jump me too badly. But then again, I think they weren't as engaged because they saw it as for what it was. It was a glorified exhibition, not a not a game that really mattered. You know, this year I have generally been wrong, and unfortunately, I put my money where my mouth is, and that so it's a bad combination. I I, I thought uh, I thought I thought we we're going to have a Michigan Ohio State final, um, but uh, and and also I do want to get into Demar Hamlin with you, but let's just stick yeah. with college football for right now. Can you give okay. us a breakdown of uh, TCU Georgia in the national championship game? on Monday night? Uh, I will not predict that Georgia will lose to TCU, okay? I, I, I did pick TCU outright to beat Michigan, but I'm not going to do that with Georgia because, you know, Georgia should have lost the game to Ohio State and didn't. Uh, and, and I thought it was really wonderful to hear Kirby Smart say in the middle of his first interview, right, well, on the field, okay, 
to Holly Rose saying, you know what, we didn't deserve, we probably didn't deserve to win the game. But, you know, we found a way and we won it. Um, that's resiliency. Okay, that, that, that's what Georgia has. And, and actually, it's also what TCU has. TCU did not play its best game against Michigan. Far from it, uh, from an offensive standpoint, uh, Duggan threw for about 260 yards. He was 14 of 29, and that's pedestrian stats for him. Okay, it wasn't his best game, but he made plays when he had to make plays, and and the explosive plays were the key for TCU, which they get, and their defense answered the bell in the red zone, and also with two pick sixes, and they weren't flukes. It was against man coverage, and and players just uh, outfought uh, the offensive players for Michigan for the ball and and made big plays. So. You know, both TCU and Georgia have that edge about them. And, and, and TCU is not terribly inferior to Georgia. Uh, their, their linebackers are really good. The Johnston kid that transferred from Navy is great. D. Winters is outstanding. Make big play after big play. The kid from ULM, the safety, Josh Newton, who, who put the kibosh on that, uh, reverse at the five yard line on the first drive after the big run by Michigan. He screwed that play up for them. Their safeties and corners and linebackers are, are really good. And they got some guys that are going to play on Sunday. So uh, I see Georgia being a little too strong and a little too fast um, defensively. And I'm a little concerned about Kendra Miller's health. He's questionable for the game. I think TC needs both of their backs to be effective against Georgia's defense because they're so physical. Uh, DeMarcado is a good running back. Uh, but he would need the help of Kendra Miller, who is their best running back. Uh, Jerry Wiley's an outstanding tight end. I think he's on par with Bowers, who did not play a large role in the game uh, for Georgia against Ohio State. Neither did Wiley, actually, who I thought could be a difference maker in the game for TCU. But Quentin Johnston, as I told you, is a freak. He made that big play off the blitz when, when Duggan found him and he was streaking, you know, 75, 80 yards down the sideline. That was when Michigan had cut it to three. So they get another explosive play there. Uh, I think it's going to be a back and forth game. That's going to be a hell of a lot of fun to watch. I really, really do. Uh, but I do think Georgia will ultimately win the game. Um, but I don't think that they'll cover the, whatever it is now, 13 and a half, 14, whatever the, the number is. Uh, I don't think they'll cover it. And we just had, fellas, the best weekend uh, of college football in the history of the college football playoff, and the BCS, too, for that matter, in my mind. Since we went to the Godforsaken BCS, I think this game was uh, – these two games together, Trump, the Georgia-Oklahoma overtime game in the Rose Bowl, and Trump, in my opinion – uh, the the one game that we got between Texas and USC in 05. I just thought both of those games were off the the rails, just unbelievably fun to watch. And they were different kinds of games. You know, uh, TCU uh, made their breaks with their defensive turnovers and their defense inside the red zone. They did not play their best offensively. Ohio State did to Georgia what I thought they'd do. They lit Georgia up. They absolutely lit up their secondary until they lost Marvin Harrison Jr. And when they lost Harrison Jr., they were down basically to Fleming. The tight end was in the hospital. Uh, Smith and Jigba was not playing. 
Agbuka was really all they had, and Agbuka is more of a possession receiver, uh, not a guy that's going to threaten you deep. So not having Harrison, I thought, really hurt Ohio State in that final drive and trying to get a little closer for that field goal. And, you know, if the kid makes the field goal, and he, he could have, he's hit 48, 49 yarders before, uh, we wouldn't even be having uh, the conversation. Ohio State would have, in fact, won. I'm right there with you on, on everything, Tim, especially, um, you know, what your thoughts are on that Georgia TCU matchup. Uh, I agree with you 100%. And I will give you your credit. You you did you did have some nice predictions with the TCU-Michigan game, and, and you were pretty close on that Ohio State-Georgia game. So I'll give you your credit. And you. Yes, yes, sir. Speaking of Georgia, um, look, if they if they win this national championship against TCU, that'll put them at, you know, two and two years, back-to-back national oh. champions. Would yep. you go as far to say that they would be the new dynasty of college football, the, the new apex, uh, king of the hill? You know, I know a lot of people want to go as far as saying that. I'm not ready to say that about them and Kirby Smart just yet, but I'm curious about your take on that. Well, there's two there's two answers to that, Christian. Let me give you the, the, the first one is when you – and I like to look at things from 30,000 feet, as I think you guys know, and offer some perspective and context. Okay, that is usually my take. And a lot of times fans don't understand or appreciate that. In fact, they hate it. They don't like it at all. Because I'm bringing into play, you know, the last 10 years or the last 20 years when I'm talking about... You can't uh, handle the truth. (laughs) Yeah. And the facts are Alabama's run has been so consequential and so big for such a long period of time. You know, we're talking uh, two decades worth now, okay, of Alabama's reign. Uh, and to have won the many national championships that Nick has. So from a big picture standpoint, no, I, 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 don't, I, I don't believe that uh, they are suddenly the team, okay? Because I, I think in today's college football, uh, the, the margin between Georgia and, and Ohio State and TCU and Michigan and all these other teams is not as great as it was when Alabama was doing its thing and really getting it rolling and having those back-to-back titles that they had. Sure. Really about the only team that could solve them uh, in terms of defense versus their offense was LSU. Okay, now granted, they got buried in that 21 to nothing game, but Alabama didn't stretch that lead until pretty late. But Georgia, if we live in a here and now world, Christian. You know, we, that's what we do. We live in a here and now world. And I guarantee you the narrative, if Georgia does win, will be that the baton has been passed from, from Nick to Kirby and, and from Alabama to Georgia. In fact, that narrative is already being created by, you know, the, the daily gab sets that we see on cable television. Timmy, can you hang on through a break, please? Absolutely. All right, Tim Brando, our guest on Big Noon Sports. By the way, BigNoonSports.com. Big Noon Sports, Timmy. (laughs) (laughs) This is the Big Noon Sports Network. Want to know what's going on with the Crimson Tide? Download the Tide 100.9 app today. By now, you know that sound. It's the sound of the Home Depot. But what about that sound? You're listening to a set of GE appliances. Complete. 
sunny, the high 58. And for Saturday, the sky partially sunny during the day, then a chance of showers Saturday night, the high 62. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 62 degrees in Tuscaloosa. With so many. It's a new day, but it all feels old. It's a good life, that's what I'm told. But everything at all just feels the same. Back on Big Noon Sports, it's Lars, Matt, Christian, and our guest from Fox Sports. Is Tim Brando. Tim, the world has uh, been abuzz and consumed, and rightfully so. And right now we're loving the story because it appears that uh, – it doesn't appear – DeMar Hamlin is making progress, and that's a yep. good thing. I just – I wanted to get uh, Tim Brando's view on just the entire situation, the entire story. I, uh, I talked with Troy Aikman uh, yesterday, and he and I have been friends a long time. Uh, we were, I covered him when he was the Heisman finalist with uh, Rodney Pete and Barry Sanders kind of swooped in and won the thing back in 1988. Um, and, and I, uh, you know, I praised him for, you know, the job that he and Joe Buck and really everybody with Monday Night Football's production team did and in handling that, the, the tone of it. I, I actually, uh, in full disclosure, so pedestrian was that hit. I was watching the game. Uh, I was texted by someone that is a basketball buddy of mine and said, hey, Rutgers is about to beat Purdue at Mackey Arena on Big Ten Network. So I, when they went to the commercial, I flipped over to the last two minutes of the Purdue-Rutgers game, which Rutgers won, and then I flipped back over to Monday Night Football, and, you know, he's still out there. And then the, the severity of the circumstances had already uh, come to fruition, and the ambulance was out there, and evidently the CPR was, was taking place. You know, um, I've, I've heard a lot of reaction from people, uh, and it all depends on where you're from and maybe your generation as to uh, what 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 all of this means and 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 how do we look at what maybe the NFL uh, should be thinking about moving forward. And I don't know that there's ever really an answer to it. Um, I've been in situations before when I went to a live sporting event and everything changed. A tornado hitting the Georgia Dome in 2008. Uh, a, a crazy woman driving through a barricade in Stillwater, Oklahoma, on homecoming afternoon and killing three people. And Spencer and I walked over body bags to get to uh, to Boone Picking Stadium one day. We didn't know if we were going to have a game or not. But that's that's even those things, as bizarre as they were, and how much it changed my role as a as a live play-by-play broadcaster. Nothing quite like that I've ever experienced, and I don't think anyone's ever experienced. There's no manual for how to deal with it, uh, and that was true for just about everyone involved, whether it was the league, the officials on the field. Um, but I do know this. Uh, thank God the defibrillator was there. Thank God the ambulance and the CPR equipment was there. Um, I, I will offer one observation, though, fellas, and, and you guys have watched as much football as me, and, and Christian, you, you probably can identify with this too. Years ago, if you went to a practice the day before a game, whether it was the NFL game or a college game, you'd see players, generally speaking, in what they call shells and shorts. Mm-hmm. In other words, not heavy padding. Right. Well, now, that, those things they call shells back uh, 10, 15, 20 years ago, 
those shells are now what players are playing with in the games. And I'm not just talking wide receivers. I'm talking tight ends and sometimes uh, linebackers, too. Players want more freedom of movement. If, if you played the game even uh, 15 years ago, the level of padding now on shoulder pads that used to cover the chest, it's not at all what it used to be. This is just an observation. I'm not, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. What happened, it might not have made any difference whatsoever if he had had bigger shoulder pads with more chest covering. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. But it is one of the things that I would be curious to know. Uh, would it have made a difference you know, down the line? Because if you watch today's players, their knees are generally uncovered. Uh, they are uh, more oftentimes than not wearing any side padding whatsoever. And the shoulder pads and, uh, and coverings that we normally used to see uh, are not there at all. Uh, and again, whether that would make a difference, I don't know. But I think maybe it's something that uh, uh, people that are smarter than me might take a look at moving forward. Yeah, Tim, I'm not too sure about the – I know exactly what you mean by the shells or spider pads, as we call them. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they can get away with wearing those. In practice, we definitely wear those. In, in a game, right. I don't know if we could for sure, but I, you, you're on the right path, though, because guys do want less padding for uh, right. more uh, mobility. You're 100% right. I know uh, you just alluded to the fact that a lot of guys don't really wear the thigh pads or even hip pads. Growing up, we used to have to wear hip pads in our pants. Yeah. We don't have any yeah. of those hardly anymore. And the knee pads are supposed to cover the knees. They don't cover those hardly anymore. And uh, in, in, and I will say that guys even will opt to wear smaller shoulder pads um, mm -hmm. just because it gives you more freedom now, in arm movement. You know that sound. Um, so it's, sound. it's one of those things where, you know, it is a trade-off. You do have less protection. And I can't, you know, say either if it does make